Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just open our hearts to you today and to your word. I thank you that your word is life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. I thank you that your word strengthens us, encourages us, and comes to pass in our life. You watch over your word to perform it in our lives, Lord, as we stand on it and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I love, I love the Bible. I love my Bible. It feeds you. You know, you, you, you know, I don't know. There used to be a, a Christian pianist. His name was uh, Dino Katsunakis. I, saw him every, I don't know if you remember him or not. Uh, every once in a while, Benny Hinn would have him on his program. But he, he used to say, you know, if I don't practice, I, mean, he said, I practice for like four or five hours every single day. He said, if I don't practice for a day or two, I notice it. If I, if I don't practice for three or four days, my wife notices it. If I didn't practice for a week, you'd notice it. But it's like, to me, it's like the same thing with the word. You know, if I don't read the word, if I, if I just get tied up and I, and I don't get into word on particular, you know, I feel it's like, God, I didn't, I didn't get fed today. You know, and I jump in and you miss it for a couple of days. It's like you feel like you're backslidden or something. So you, you got you to pick up your Bible and read it. Amen. You know, just pick, just find something and put it in you. It's, it's the Word of God and it strengthens you. Hey, so I just love the Word. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to start today at the beginning. Genesis. I'm going to preach the whole Bible today. Praise God. Genesis to Revelation. Well, like somebody said, from to the table of contents of the maps. Genesis chapter 9. Verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall, be, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all successive generations, I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign for the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow will be seen in the cloud and I'll remember the covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood 
to destroy all the earth. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Praise God. God makes a covenant with humanity, with, the world, with, the, with, with humanity and every living creature to never again destroy the earth by a flood. He doesn't just promise it. He doesn't just kind of, I'll give you my word. He says, I'm going to make a covenant. He says it over and over again. I'm going to make a covenant, a covenant, a covenant, a covenant. I just want to talk to you a little bit today about the importance and understanding covenant. Because God makes covenants. And it's, it's, a, it's an eternal promise. It's a strong thing for every one of us. You know, I looked at it and said, what, what, is a, what is a covenant? It's a solemn, and one definition says, even almost like a sacred a sacred agreement, a pact between, and, and it, can be, it can be between individuals. A covenant can be between two people. You know, in, in a First Samuel, it says, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. So two people can come into covenant. And that's really what a marriage is. A marriage is a, is a covenant agreement between two people to love each other and to walk after each other for the rest of their lives. You know, it's a covenant, and the Bible says it's a covenant agreement. It can, be, it can be between uh, groups of people. Uh, in Joshua chapter 9, the Israelites made a covenant with, with a group called the Gibeonites. I, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But this is just between like groups of people. God can make a, God can make a covenant with man, with a man. God did with Abram. And in, in, again, in Genesis, a little bit further on in Genesis chapter 15, God said, I make a covenant with you to bless you. And God made a covenant with the nation of Israel. In Exodus, I just want to go, I just want to read this. In Exodus chapter 24. And he, Moses, and he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they all said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So God made a covenant with the nation of Israel to be their God and to bless them. And I found, I found this uh, online when I was looking, when I was doing some research. It says, a covenant is in, in, in its most general and historic sense is a solemn promise to engage in or frame from specific action. So when you make a covenant, you're saying, yeah, I'll do this or I won't do this. You know? And it says, under historical English common law, a covenant was distinguished from an ordinary contract by the presence of a seal because the presence of a seal indicated an unusual solemnity in the promises made in the covenant. In other words, it was even higher than a law. When that seal was on there, it's a covenant relationship, and a covenant was a, it was in a, it was a higher level than just a law. It's permanent, it's abiding, and it and it and it go and it follows to successive generations. But here's here's kind of like a, I would say here's the kicker. Uh, there's blessings for honoring it, but again, but there's consequences for violating. You know, with a, one of these, there's a scripture we quote so often 
in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. That was the blessing part. And all these blessings. But then later on in that same chapter it says, but if you don't, then all these curses will come upon you. So there's a responsibility. When people enter into a covenant relationship uh, with each other or with God, there's there's always a blessing for fulfilling it, but there's consequences for, for violating it, for not walking after it, for not honoring it. And man was created to have a relationship with God. Now, before the fall, you know, I was thinking before the fall, which is just a couple of chapters in Genesis, but there's no mention of covenant before the fall. It's not until after the fall that God enters into covenants. But man could, but, and man can have, um, people can have an occasional uh, interaction with God. But if you're going to have an, an ongoing, lasting relationship with God, it always comes uh, under. It always comes in a covenant relationship. In Genesis 15, uh, and it and it always requires a sacrifice. It's always, it always has to be sac- in Genesis chapter 15, when God made His covenant with Abram. It's like they I don't know if you remember they slayed animals and they cut them in half and they they put them two rows on each other, and, and they passed through the blood sacrifice. And when they made a covenant with the nation of Israel, they slayed, they made some sacrifices, they took half the blood, the Bible says, and they put it in a basin, and they took some hyssop, and they sprinkled the book, and they sprinkled the people, and they said, this is the, this is the blood of the covenant. A covenant always comes with a sacrifice. And Jesus in the new covenant is our sacrifice, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. In Genesis chapter 17, God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham and the nation that would proceed from him. And you know, it doesn't matter if hundreds or thousands of years have passed. When God makes a covenant, it's ongoing. You know, the people, the people in David's day, which is hundreds and hundreds of years after Abraham, they can't say, well, that, that's what God said to Abraham. God didn't say that to me. He said it to Abraham. But this is now. This doesn't apply to us. Oh, yes, it does. Because God made, it, God made a covenant, and it's a lasting covenant. He remembered his covenant forever, it says in Psalm 105. He keeps covenant, it said in Deuteronomy chapter 7, he keeps covenant to a thousand generations. A thousand generations. So a covenant is a lasting thing. So several generations down the pike, the people can't look back and say, well, no, that, that applied to them. It doesn't apply to us. Yeah, it does. And we, and we need to know that because it's important because it'll, it'll affect us if we don't follow it and, work and, and honor it. I just want to look for a minute at the power of a covenant. A covenant's powerful. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. God led, Moses, God led the Israelites out of Egypt. Excuse me. This hearing aid is 
buzzing in my ear. There, that's better. God led the Israelites out of Egypt, and he brought them to Mount Sinai, and he called Moses. Remember, he called Moses up on the mountain. And while I was up there, the people made a golden calf. And it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses while he was up on the mountain. He said, go down at once, for your people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They've made themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and I may destroy them, and I'll make you a great nation. And Moses entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, with evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains? and to destroy them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger and change, and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by yourself, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, and all this land I will, of which I have spoken I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Why did he change his mind? Because they put it, he, Moses put him in remembrance of the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'm going I'm to I'm get rid of all these. I'm going to start over with you. Basically, Moses said, you can't do that because you made a covenant, and you have to honor that covenant. You're a covenant-making God. You're a covenant-keeping God. So bringing God in remembrance to his covenant changed what he was going to do. It's powerful. I'm telling you, it's powerful. But... Listen, listen, this is one of my favorite things in the Bible. And uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verse 1. When the Lord God, when the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, I'm from New England. The Lord God. When the Lord God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations, greater and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Why is God so strict? Because he knows that if you, leave, if, you, if you leave those ungodly people in your midst, they're going to they're gonna corrupt you, and they're going to, and you won't pull them up, they're going to pull you down. Because what happens is, you know, people, they live amongst you for a certain length of time, and you say, well, they're not so bad. They've been my neighbor for 20 years. He helped me mow my grass a few times. You know, it's like all of a sudden they become kind of, they just, you, you get used to living with them. And, what, and Moses said, what's going to happen is you're going to start giving your sons to their daughters and, and, their, and their sons to your daughters. You're going to start intermingling and you're, gonna, and you're going to be corrupted. You get Next thing you know, they're going to be inviting you to, your, to their satanic worship services and, and you're going you're to fall. So you've got to get rid of them. You've got to get rid of all that evil influence. Right. But so when they went into the promised land, 
Joshua goes into the promised land. He starts defeating the enemy. And one day, this group of people come called the Gibeonites. Now, the Gibeonites were, were within the land. They, should, they, should, they, they were one of the groups of people that should have been eliminated. But they, but they came with worn-out clothes, and they came with worn-out, all this dried, crumbly bread, and they said, oh, we've come from a long way off. Our clothes were brand new when we started this trip. Our bread was nice and warm and fresh, but now look, the bread is all crumbled, and our garments are all worn. We've come from a long way off. No, 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 we're not, we're not, we're not within the land, we come, and we want to make it a covenant with you to let us live. And Joshua made a mistake. The Bible says he, he did not consult the Lord. He just, he just looked at the evidence. You know, you've got to be careful. The devil is a deceiver. And he's, he's wise. And you can't go by what your eyes see. You've got to go by what the Spirit says. If they'd have checked with God, God have said, no, they're woofing you. But they didn't. So they made an agreement. They made, a, they, they made an agreement. They come into covenant with the Gibeonites to let them live. And they found out a few days later that they, that they, that they had cheated, but didn't make any difference. They, they made a covenant, you have to honor it. So, they, so the Israelites made a covenant with the Gibeonites to let them live. Now, fast forward about 250 years. Saul is king of Egypt. Saul is king in Israel. And in his misguided attempt to be great, he slew some of the Gibeonites. 250, 60, 70 years later, he slew some of the Gibeonites. And here's what happened. 2 Samuel 21. Now, Saul, Saul killed some of the Gibeonites, and years, several years, many years later, look what it says. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is for Saul and his bloody house because he put the Gibeonites to death. In other words, you're paying a penalty because Saul broke the covenant. They made it, there was a covenant with the Gibeonites. You can't kill them. Saul, who made a lot of mistakes in his life, this is another one. He killed some of the Gibeonites, and now you have to pay a penalty because you broke the covenant. And so eventually what they said was, what, what, they got a hold of the Gibeonites, and said, what, what can we do to make atonement for this? And you know what they said? He said, get seven of, sons, seven of Saul's sons and hang them. And they did. And when they took seven of Saul's sons and, hang, and hung them, the, the curse was broken, and, and it was alleviated. But that's how powerful a covenant is. You can't break it. They broke it, and they had to pay a penalty. Years later, decades later, hundreds of years later, a covenant is powerful, and God will honor it. After David and Solomon... The nation of Israel split into two, into two kingdoms and they both get into idolatry and uh, God never disowned them but they suffered the penalty for breaking the covenant, being defeated and eventually going into captivity. So what's, what's the point of all that? I just felt like we, 
what we have to be reminded of the importance of covenant because we in the New Testament who have surrendered our lives to God have not simply entered into a casual relationship with God. We have entered into a covenant relationship. We are covenant people, just like the Old Testament was covenant. They were covenant people. We have entered into a covenant relationship with God. You remember at the Last Supper? Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is for you. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. You know, when we take communion, a lot of times we remember the sacrifice that he made. But we're also supposed to remember that we are in a covenant agreement with God. And there's responsibilities on both sides. God said he'll bless us, he'll keep us, he'll provide for us, he'll heal us. But ours is to love God, to love our neighbor, to love people, is to treat people the way we would have them treat us, to be obedient to God, to walk in holiness, and to follow him with all of our heart. That's our, that's our part, is to walk in covenant. But if we do that, God will honor his covenant with us and be God to us and, and bless us. Under the old covenant, Israel was promised things like uh, rain in, in season, victory in battle, prosperity, freedom from sickness. But in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, it says we have a better covenant based on better promises. How could it be better? Well, it's as good as the old one. Plus, what the law, see, the, the law could not impart spiritual life. But in the New Testament, we get, we, get, we get a new nature. We become partakers of the divine nature. We become new creation. God's, God's spirit actually dwells within us. And we, we have eternal life within our being. It's something they couldn't have in the Old Testament. The law could not provide complete forgiveness. But in the New Testament, it says in Hebrews, by one sacrifice, he has perfected for all times those who have faith in him. The law, was, was, the law was primarily limited to the Jewish people. But in the New Testament, it's whosoever will. Whosoever will, will give their life to the Lord can be saved. It's for all people. And the law kept people, kept, the law kept people separated from God. Only the high priest could enter into his presence once a year. But in the New Testament, the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. He's made a way, he's made a way for us into the holy place through his veil, that is the flesh. We can come into the very presence of, every one of us can come into the very presence of God and have fellowship with him. So we have a better covenant based on better promises. And, and understanding that I have a covenant relationship with God. See, in a covenant relationship, each party, each party says, all that I am, all that I have, all my strength, all my resources are available to you whenever you need them. You know, I'm there for you and you're there for me. And that's what God, God says, I'm there for you. And, that, you know, it, it helps me. I, because when I, if I need healing in my body, or if I need financial support, or if I need whatever I need from God, I say, thank you, Lord. You are, you are my covenant-keeping God. I thank you that you love me, that you keep covenant with me. So thank you for healing me, Lord. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for giving me wisdom and direction. Whatever it is you need. Whatever it is you need, God has it. And you can go to him and believe it because you're, you, he's a covenant-keeping God. If you're doing your part, if you're walking after him with all your heart, then he'll bless you. He'll be God to you. And he'll bless you with all the blessings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
But I'm also reminded that our forefathers made a covenant agreement with God when they, when they landed on, this, on these shores. That we, we, it's not, that the covenant with God is not just between us and God. It's between our, for, our forefathers when they landed on this, on this land. They made a covenant with God. The Bible says, and that's, that's, why, that's why I'm concerned for this nation. That's why I feel we need to really pray for our nation. Excuse me. Because we, as a nation, we have, in many ways, walked away from God. And you can't walk away from God and not pay a price. And I believe we have paid a price. But I believe the price could be even, even greater if we don't start walking after God. The Bible says, how blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. God, God has raised us up to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. But we've kind of turned our backs on him as a nation, and it really bothers me. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, it says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. When, when the nation is walking in righteousness, God blesses it. When we turn our back on them, things happen. See, I stand to be corrected for this. I really do. I may be wrong, but I'm convinced in my own heart that the reason why 9-11 happened is because God had lifted his hand in protection over our nation. We, we, were, just, we were so smug. You know, we think nobody can touch us. But God, you know, if, if, you, if you turn against God he, and he lifts his hand in protection, you're vulnerable. And we, we've lost wars. that we've, We never used to lose a war. Now we've lost wars. We've been attacked by others. And I believe it's a warning. I believe God is saying, get back to me. Otherwise, I'll lift my hand of protection for this nation and bad things will happen. There's a man that wrote a book. Oh, what is it? 1835 is almost 200 years ago. There's a man who came, a, man, a Frenchman came to the United States. Uh, his name was Alexis de Tocqueville. I don't know how many of you know Alexis de Tocqueville. Well, there's one. So there's one person here that's smart as me. Praise God. <laughs> but he was a, I just need to read. He was a famous French statesman, statesman and historian. And beginning in 1831, he and another French gentleman came to America. They toured the country for the purpose of observing the American people and their institutions. And then he wrote a two-part work which was published in 1835 and in 1840. It was entitled Democracy in America. And it's said to be one of the greatest works uh, of insight into the American people and the American nation. From an outsider, not from an American, from an outsider. And in it, and listen, in it, this is what he said in his book. I sought for the key to the greatness and genius of America in her harbors, in her fertile fields and boundless forests, in her rich mines, and vast world commerce. I searched for it in her public school system and institutions of learning. I sought for it in her democratic Congress and in her matchless constitution. But not until I went into the churches of America 
and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. And I believe there's a lot of truth in that. And it relates to covenant. There's blessings for keeping the covenant. There's consequences for violating. The nation of Israel found out that there's, viol- there's consequences for violating their covenant with God. And I believe any nation who's come into covenant with God, if there's violations, there's going to be consequences. But I'm, but I'm encouraged by, by some things that I see. A few years ago, it's been maybe several years ago now, Benny, was, we were watching Benny Hinn uh, on his daily program. He had a daily program. And he had a, a man from India, an, Indi- an Indian man who was prophetic and had been to heaven several times. And Benny had him on his program. And he was talking to him and questioning him. And it was right around the turn of a, of a year. I forget what year it was. And he said to him, is God showing you anything about the nation, of, about America, about our nation? And he said, yes. He said, God showed me that he has not forgotten the prayers of our forefathers. God has not forgotten the prayers of those who went before us, who turned their hearts in this nation over to God and said, we, we, we make a covenant between God and us this nation will be a godly nation and serve God. And so I believe that if we turn our hearts to God and begin to pray and walk and and confess and believe for him, he'll honor the covenant that he made with our forefathers and restore us to righteousness. God God has intervened in our nation before, uh, what we call the first great awakening and the second great awakening. And I believe there can be another great awakening in our nation. But if we cry out to God, God will honor his covenant and come and bless us and turn us. That scripture we quote so many times in Second Chronicles. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, what did God say? He said, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big for God. We have to believe. See, God, God is God. He can make things happen anytime he wants. If we cry and pray out, to, if we pray and cry out to Him, He'll honor the covenant that's been made between us and our forefathers, and He'll restore us to righteousness, and we will become a great nation again in Jesus' name. So, covenant. I just felt like putting us in remembrance of the covenant individually. It applies to us. It applies to our nation. We are a covenant people. God is a covenant-keeping God, and He'll bless you. Walk after God with all your heart. Believe that he's a covenant-keeping God, and he'll, he'll heal you, he'll bless you, he'll deliver you, he'll prosper you, he'll give you everything you need because he is a God who keeps covenant with his people. Amen. And amen. Father, I bless you. I don't know why God would want to be in covenant with me. I don't know, what do I, what do I, I feel like, what have I got to offer God? But God loves his creation. God loves his people. The same way, when my wife and I were married about five years before we had our first child. We, and we were, we, were living, we, were, we were doing fine without kids. She was working, I was working, we, we were just living a life. We were doing fine without kids. But I felt like we should have one, so we, we had one. But you know what? After that little pumpkin showed up, it's like after a few months, it's like, my God, how do we live without this, without this precious? 
I mean, you, when you have kids, that's the way you feel. Your kids come, it's like, how did we live without this precious package? And what? And what? All they do is they keep you up at night, they puke on you. You have to feed them, you have to clothe them. I mean, what, what do they give you except the fact of who they are? They cost, they cost your time, they cost your money, but you can't live without them. You wouldn't give them up for the world. And see, that's, that's the way God feels about you and about me. I don't understand it, but he does. He, just, he loves us because we are his creation. He loves us. And we, we don't always do what he wants us to do, but he still loves us and he'll bless us. And he'll keep his covenant with us if we'll walk after him with all of our heart. So when you pray, just thank, just begin. Thank God. Father, we just thank you that, you're, that you love us, that you keep covenant with us, that you provide for us all that we need because you love us. And we love you back, Lord. We walk after you with all of our heart. We give ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.